1: If God makes a promise, you can be sure that he has the power to fulfill it and he will remain faithful even if we are faithless. And so God calls his people to respond with faith because he always keeps his word. And you know what? If God's people really believe that, many of us would be living a whole lot differently than we are today.
0: We are oftentimes asked to trust God, just like Abraham was asked to trust God about a son as old as he was. How do you respond to that request of trust? Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Today we turn back to Genesis chapter 18 once again and the three visitors who promise Abraham within a year's time he'll be a father through Sarah. And then we'll talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and intercessory prayer. Here's Pastor Leighton with today's
1: Study Verse by Verse. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, by this time, it's really, really clear to Abraham that the visitors are not ordinary men. Uh, first off, they had referenced his wife by her new given name, which was only was given in the last chapter, Sarah, instead of Sarah. They also repeated almost word for word the announcement that was given by El Shaddai about the son being born. And, and then even more precisely, uh, the Lord said, I, notice the word I, me, I will surely return to you about this time next year. So this was the Lord God himself. God had appeared to Abraham in the form of the stranger, and they had dined together. And now suddenly, all of the lights, if he had been missing any, they're all on now. He understands what's taking place. All of the previous promises of the son were a bit nebulous, and the uh, revelation of the details was progressive. Every time God came, he gave another piece of information about this son. But now the announcement is really specific. At this time next year, Sarah will have a child. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abram and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? So Moses here is giving us some insights. He said, now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So not only had she been infertile, all of her life, but now she was postmenopausal, and so she was doubly dead in respect of the ability to bear a child. And the idea, the promise that she would be a mother next year would have been absurd if it hadn't come from God. Now, notice that Sarah's response was silent and inward. It says, so Sarah laughed to herself, as she thought. So this laughter may have taken place entirely in her head. In any event, it was not laughter that was intended to be shared with anyone, but God knows even the whispers of the heart. Now, Sarah's response here, her unbelief, suggests that either Abraham had failed to mention to her the promise or that when he did, he failed to convince her. And uh, her the fact that she was rebuked here, even though it was mild, indicates that she persisted in unbelief. And, and so, for the present at least, Sarah's faith was not a match for that of her husband. Verse 13 Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. And said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. So, in this moment, Sarah understood that her unuttered thought was fully known to the Lord. A few chapters ago, Hagar learned that God sees her. Sarah now realizes God sees inside her. It's a, a, a reality that God is omniscient, He is all knowing. He knows. Every thought, whether the thought be of human or angel, origin. No human has thought a thought that's not known to God. He knows all things perfectly. He's never been taken by surprise, and he has never made a mistake. Now, God has come all the way from heaven to give Abram and Sarah an announcement. At the same time next year, Sarah would give birth to the promised son. And, and the announcement here was so incredible that Sarah laughed and questioned whether such a thing could happen. To two such elderly people. Now, when we doubt God, we are questioning both his credibility as well as his ability. Both his credibility and his ability. His credibility. You know, does God keep his promises? His ability. Does he really have the power to do what he said he would do? You see? And the answer to both questions is yes. That question has come up a number of times in Scripture. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So I think it's important for us to take a moment. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself the question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Go ahead and answer your, your ask and answer that question to yourself. Now, let me tell you that if, if the answer is anything other than the Lord can do whatever the Lord wants to do, the Lord is all, then whatever image or concept you have of God, is not scriptural, it's not biblical, it's not real. Because God can do anything. Is anything impossible for God? And the answer is no. If God makes a promise, you can be sure that he has the power to fulfill it and he will remain faithful even if we are faithless. And so God calls his people to respond with faith because he always keeps his word. And you know what? If God's people really believed that, many of us would be living a whole lot differently than we are today. That would be life transforming if we really believed that that God is faithful and powerful. And I want you to notice that Sarah's unbelief does not sidetrack the promise of God. She will still conceive whether she she thinks she can or not. Verse 16, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. So Abraham is ever the good host, and he's escorting his guests as they depart from the area of the tents. He then literally walked with God, like Enoch did of old. And apparently Abraham didn't have the slightest idea about what was coming, because the Lord raises the question, shall I hide from Abraham What I am about to do. And God asks that question and he answers that question in such a way that he gives reasons why Abraham must be informed of the impending judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And and the first two reasons had to do with Abraham's responsibility and the third with the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 17. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And so the first reason that God shared his plans for the cities of the plain was that Abraham was to become a channel of blessing to the world and it was important then for Abraham to know what was going to happen and why in respect to these neighboring cities. In verse 18 we find a, a discussion about Abram's future in terms of its effect and and in verse 19 it supplies the cause or the reason for this effect him being A enormous nation and blessing to the world. You see, God was going to bless Abraham and his descendants, but the requirement for enjoying those blessings was to live according to God's righteous requirements. Did you catch that? God was going to bless Abraham and his descendants, but the requirements for enjoying those blessings was to live according to God's righteous requirements. God said that he may charge his children and his household after him. Charge children means to direct or instruct. And household after him is a reference to all of his descendants. And, and remember that believers are spiritual descendants of Abraham. So this is for us also. And so God desired that his covenant people will do righteousness and justice to everyone regardless. And in fact, that was one of the major purposes for God giving the law. That we should love our neighbor as ourself. And here, Sodom and Gomorrah provides the stark contrast because their lifestyle was the antithesis of righteousness and justice. And when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, their ruins would be a teaching tool for Abraham and his descendants. Sodom and Gomorrah uh, permanently testifies to what happens to people who reject righteousness and justice. The Apostle Peter explained that God burned Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And then next, Yahweh emphasized the depth of Sodom's sin. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Now, when we hear the word Sodom, we naturally think that the sin of these cities is largely sexual in nature because the name of the city Sodom is the basic word for sodomy, which the Bible describes as unnatural sex. But if we imagine the sins of these cities only in sexual terms, we miss the depth of their depravity. The Hebrew word for outcry is used in Scripture to describe... The cries of the oppressed and the brutalized. It's used uh, to describe the cry of an oppressed widow or orphan. The cries of an oppressed servant. The cries of the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah uses it to refer to the scream of terror by an individual or a city that is attacked by surprise. Uh, such an outcry is the wail of the oppressed and brutalized. The sin of Sodom then is heinous moral and social corruption. An arrogant disregard for basic human rights and a cynical insensitivity to the suffering of others. And this is confirmed, by the way, through the prophet Ezekiel, who described the inhabitants of Sodom thus, She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and proper, a prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. So Sodom and Gomorrah were towns in which the inhabitants cared only for themselves And they brutalized and oppressed each other. There was social violence daily. There were no human rights. The poor and the needy and defenseless were especially brutalized. And, you know, these verses confirm the fact that God is not ignorant of any wickedness. He is not indifferent to the cry of the oppressed. He is a
0: God who hears, a champion for the down and out. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. More to follow on tomorrow's program. We'll have to close out today. But we will leave you with our website address. It's there that you can start your journey on understanding and learning a bit more about us here at Study Verse by Verse and Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. That website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. A lot of resource material there as well as information about us directions to the church when and where we meet reach out to us there at highlands.us and then join us tomorrow for another broadcast of study verse by verse with our teacher and pastor Layton Sheely